So following USC's recruiting weekend, things seem a little bit too quiet right now. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Holkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free, and I really do appreciate your support. If you are watching on YouTube and you want to become a free subscriber, it's so easy. You see that red subscribe button? Click it. You're done. It's, it's that easy. You like the episode? I know you do. Hit that thumbs up. Both of those Make your participation mean a whole lot to the show. And because Locked On USC comes at you five times a week, hit the bell notification button, and that way you will not miss an episode. So I said it's kind of quiet. You know, we're two days out. USC's official weekend visitors, Kingston Viliamulasa and Peyton Woodyard, they were there through Sunday night, 9 p.m., it's uh, depending on when you're watching this episode of Locked on USC. It could be first thing Tuesday, should be. That silence is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, the, the sound of silence can speak volumes if you listen carefully. So I hope you start listening carefully uh, right about now. Uh, recruits, you know, when they make their moves, what they do, those actions speak. So we know that Peyton Woodyard, um, he took his visit to USC over the weekend. So far, silence. No comment. I haven't seen anything from him out on social media. I don't think he's spoken to anybody, any of those, uh, any of the WeRSC.coms or any of the other competitive sites out there, uh, like on Rivals and 24-7, et cetera. So I think I respect the fact that uh, I think Peyton wants to let Georgia and Kirby Smart down privately first. That's one way of looking at it, right? Or um, here's another way. Here's another recruit speaking without saying anything. How about that tight end prospect that USC is after, Walter Matthews? He canceled his trip to Miami uh, this weekend. So at least when he visits USC this weekend, uh, you know, as far as I know, um, there won't be any type of uh, jump man fail uh, due to a poor photo shoot that was set up because that happened to uh, USC's prime competitor for, for Walter's, uh, you know, commitment, Florida. I, I guess uh, there was a tight end recruit that was there over the weekend and he was doing one of those uh, jump man photo shoots where you jump up in the air like the Michael Jordan jump man. <clears throat> well, apparently it was a slick surface that he was jumping off of and landing on in cleats. Yeah, he fall down and go boom, right on his ass. So here's what I can tell you what Walter said after his last trip to Florida. Again, it, it seems to be a two-team race between USC and, and the Gators. Uh, Walter Matthews said, you th said this, I didn't really learn anything new or hear anything different on this visit. 
I really don't feel any different about Florida now than I did, you know, prior to the visit than I do after. So we'll see what, what Walter says after his visit to USC. Now, I mentioned on Monday's episode of Locked on USC that I strongly hinted uh, that the USC interior offensive line spots are filled. And I sort of suggested that the secondary class was close to being filled. Well, on Tuesday, WeRC.com Scott Schrader, he dropped a really cool little note. We call these nuggets. Uh, he said, USC got a call from a safety target who wanted to commit yesterday on Sunday. Uh, and that safety was told that the position the safety spots are full at USC. Now, if you want more of that type of stuff, well, you're in luck. You can join WeRSC.com right now, $1 for three months, or you can get a full year for $49.99. That's, like, that's half off the annual subscription. So keep in mind, I'm going to give you all your USC news and notes and info that you can get for free in 30 minutes or less here. That's why you make Locked on USC your first listen every day. But if you want to get some behind-the-scenes recruiting information, stuff that I might not be able to make available to you right away, you need to be over on WeRC.com. So keeping in mind that Jarvis Boatwright is already committed, that's one of the safeties. And I mentioned on yesterday's episode of Locked on USC that USC feels in a really strong position with uh, West Hill Chaminade safety prospect Marquise Gallegos who also is planning to visit this weekend. With Peyton, who is on his USC visit until 9 p.m. Sunday night, over this past weekend, uh, if you know how to count to three, add it all up. Here's what I'll say. If Peyton Woodyard decides to take his visit to Ohio State later this month, then I'll change my tune. I won't feel as confident as I do right now. So let's see if he still takes that trip or if he's ready to commit within the next few days. Again, silence from him after a recruiting trip, that speaks volumes. So if you want to talk about a pop right before this coming weekend, recruiting weekend for USC, the June bash, um, maybe that, that's what it happens. Maybe USC will try and build a whole bunch of momentum going right in to this coming weekend's visit. Uh, that's that's loaded. Re speaking of, remember that uh, junior college cornerback I mentioned a while back, a few weeks ago? His name's uh, Sione Laule. Gosh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Anyways, he's visiting this weekend as well. And so far, Sione has taken official visits to Utah. That was back on the weekend of May 30th, Penn State. This uh, That was the weekend of June 2nd, and Miami this past weekend, he's scheduled to be at USC this weekend for the big one. If he does take a fifth official visit, he's considering between Oklahoma and Oregon. So how many DBs is USC taking in this class? We know Dakota Fields is in. We're assuming Marcellus Williams, the cornerback from Bosco, is once he's done taking his official visit this weekend. He's in. So, Sione, Xavier Brown, 
both. Remember, Xavier Brown, modern day. At safety, we're talking Jarvis Boatwright. We strongly, we feel really strongly for Gallegos. Starting to feel that way with Peyton Woodyard. That's seven DBs in this class right there. And don't forget, there's a reason why USC could take up to seven. USC is replacing Jacoby Covington, Max Williams, Kalen Bullock, and Bryson Shaw at the end of the 2023 season. So, again, just a reminder, on yesterday's Locked on USC uh, episode, I was joking about how USC was making recruits stare at goats. If you've, if you've seen that movie, uh, Men Who Stare at Goats, you'll, you'll understand that, that reference. But today, on my own, I was just kind of tooling around on the internet, and I found the, um, the All Things Covered podcast. And there was a really emotional video that they put out about six and a half, almost seven minutes. And Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden are the host of the All Things Covered podcast. Well, Troy Polamalu was their guest. And Brian McFadden pretty much opened up about how his first love uh, in his life was ripped away from him due to injury. His first love was football. That's what he fell in love with first. And when injury took his career away from him, uh, there was nothing he could do about that. It was out of his control. Anyway, this is this is really deep stuff. Troy Palomalo, he, he wrote Bryant McFadden a letter uh, around Christmas time back in 2011. And to this day, uh, Bryant keeps that letter in a safe. That's how important and how much of an impact it made on his life. I want to encourage everybody to go seek out this video on the internet really easy to find. Just type in all things, um, all things covered podcast, excuse me, all things considered podcast. You'll see it. It'll pop up. If Troy had just an ounce of impact on Kingston Viliamu Asa during his visit that Troy had with McFadden, uh, there is absolutely no way in the world that uh, Kingston will be playing anywhere, but for the Cardinal and Gold. It's a very, it's powerful stuff. You've got to go see this. And it really illustrates who and what Troy is all about. So I want to know if, if his message of learning how to, for, this is what I was thinking to myself when I was watching this video. Did that message come from advert, you know, how to, how to learn to deal with adversity? Did Troy, go back to missing the Orange Bowl as a USC Trojan. Uh, because remember, he had an injury and he had an adverse reaction to an injection trying to play in that game. So I'm wondering if that's, you know, if that played a little a little part in Troy's letter that he sent to uh, Brian McFadden. Keep in mind, uh, Troy, he, he's a very spiritual person. And so I get a very strong sense that Kingston holds similar values um, I, I told you guys about Dakota Fields during his commitment and the role how USC's team chaplains played in helping uh, Dakota and his family make the right choice. So there's really no need to wonder if Troy had an impact. I know that USC scored um, bringing Troy Polamalu in to have that 
one-on-one -on -one with Kingston. And I'm sure he spent some time with Peyton Woodward as well. If you don't believe me, this is what Kingston had to say. Meeting him, Troy Palomalu, was one of the most impactful encounters I've ever had in my life. End quote. So, again, I don't know how you say no to Troy. We'll see what happens. But I, I think you understand why, why there's a lot of confidence from USC right now. And it's not too late for you to let FanDuel have an impact on your life if you head on over there quickly. The NBA plots are over. Denver, congratulations. You won. And I did call it five games. So you can still race over to FanDuel, uh, even though the NBA plots are over, because right now they're still giving you, as a new customer, a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. I'm going to repeat that. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. doesn't matter who you bet on, what you bet on. FanDuel just has these awesome promotions like the one I just told you about. Plus, FanDuel also uses a very safe and a very secure app on your mobile device, and their best thing about FanDuel, you get paid instantly. So there is no better uh, no better place to bet all of your playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on, and you too can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, talk about FanDuel. Sportsbooks and the there's other analytical sites that are out there right now. They're putting out their probability and favorites for the upcoming college football season. <coughs> Pardon me. ESPN and its FPI, Football Power Index Prediction Machine, they did a game-by-game -game predictor for each of USC's games this season. By the way, this uh, this prediction machine, uh, their index, whatever you want to call it, um, it also said that USC is number one in the Pac-12 and number seven overall in ESPN's Football Power Index. That metric uh, is also saying that USC will go 10.3 against 2.4 losses on the season. So there you go. If you want to bet above USC getting 10 wins, the actual number is 10.3, and they will have 2.4 losses. <laughs> this is, again, off-season stuff. Have fun with it, nerds. Uh, they also give USC a 4.6% chance of going undefeated on the air. So question, which game is USC most likely to lose in 2023? USC is considered a betting favorite in 11 of their 12 games. We know their first six games, USC is a prohibitive favorite. In fact, here are the percentage, probability of wins. Against San Jose State, USC is a 97.4% chance to win. Nevada, it's even better, 97.8%. I still love you, John Jackson III. I still love you, Jason Rodriguez. Don't look at the scoreboard. Just enjoy the playing time. Uh, Stanford, USC is a 95.6% favorite to win that game. Arizona State, it dips down to 90.9%. Colorado, 
on the road, 94.8%, and USC hosts Arizona, 93.2%. And then we know the second half of USC season, the back half, that's when things get tough. And this is the first time USC is not a favorite to win. According to the ESPN's FPI, uh, Notre Dame has a 59.1% chance to win at home in South Bend. I already told you USC is winning that game. And I actually think they're going to win it rather easily. Uh, this is where USC jumps back on the prohibitive favorite. Just not quite as prohibitive as their first six games. Against Utah, who they host, USC is a 70.9%. When the USC travels to Cal, uh, that number actually jumps way up to 80.5%. When USC hosts Washington, they are 80.4%. This is where I think USC's best chance of losing, because when USC travels to Eugene, USC is only considered a 54.5% favorite to win a pretty strong number still even on the road and then USC will finish the season at home hosting UCLA and ESPN the FPI predicts USC is a 86.5 percent favorite in that game and I agree in fact I probably have that number closer to 90 percent just how I feel now I have a feeling that that win probability percentage is going to go way down in 2024 and 2025. On that note, let me ask this question. How should USC continue to schedule their out-of-conference games going forward? We know what they have in 24 and 25, and we know that Notre Dame is always going to be a part of that out-of-conference schedule. So... If I'm scheduling out a conference for USC, and I know USC has that nine-game conference schedule in the big conference, this is what I would do. I'm still seeking out an SEC team or a Big 12 team or an ACC team for big game number two. Again, Notre Dame is always on the out-of-conference schedule. I'm going big game hunting from one of those conferences for a second marquee game. But what about that third out-of-conference game? Should USC just keep the Mountain West on speed dial, you know, just to keep their travel down, uh, schedule a game against a team that isn't going to require a home and home? So, you know, or does USC keep the Pac West conference? Uh, does that become USC's next easy game? If let's say a San Jose State or a Utah State are already taken. The Pac West is my new new name for the Pac-12 less USC UCLA conference, which is called Pac West. Uh, so, if San Jose State or Utah State aren't available, they're already taken. You know, USC can go. Hey, Oregon schools or Arizona schools or Washington schools, and yeah, we can tier those. You know, if USC wants to go big, they can ask Washington or Oregon to be game number three on their list? No, it's gonna be in LA. They have to accept that. But the trade-off is Washington and Oregon get to play in LA, which helps them with recruiting. 
Or you can say, Oregon State, Wazoo, do you want to be the fill-in when San Diego State or Colorado State aren't available? You want to come down to LA, play a game, helps you with recruiting, and you're going to get a nice paycheck. Tell me, how should USC continue their out-of-conference scheduling once they become the official members of the big conference? Again, we know 2024, 2025, 2026, USC's got Ole Miss, um, and in 2024, LSU's on the docket with Notre Dame, San Jose State. I love strong out-of-conference schedules. I love strong conference schedules. And this leads me up to what we're going to talk about in segment three, as you can see on the rundown. So, next question for my listening and viewing audience. We're in segment three now. Should the conference championship games be done away with once we start the 12-team playoffs? I mean, look, let's consider USC's 2024 schedule. I've gone it over, I went over it with you last week when it was released, but here it is again. Out of conference, next year, USC is going to play LSU in Las Vegas. Love it. San Jose State, Notre Dame at home. It's a perfect balance to an out of, excuse me, to an out of conference schedule. And then USC hosts at home, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. On the road, at Maryland, Northwestern, Penn State, Purdue, technically UCLA's on the road. Out of that schedule, two losses would be more than acceptable to get a an, an open invite to the 12-team playoffs. And I can actually argue a three-loss scenario out of that schedule. It would be challenging depending on, you know, who you're putting them up against who have two losses out of a different conference, but you can make the argument. Especially when you have the SEC doing their eight-game conference schedule, and we know how they like to schedule out of conference. You're going to get one solid game, and then three chumps, three cupcakes, and one of those three is always scheduled as their ramp-up game right before their rivalry game. That's just how they do things there. We'll call it cheating. We'll just call it gaming the system. They do that. They do what they should. So, I guess the question is, what benefit does USC get by playing, let's say, Ohio State in that conference championship game, game number thirteen? Or what if there's a rematch against a team that USC has already beat earlier in the year, like a Michigan or a Penn State? Because remember. They're eliminating the divisions in the big conference. They're doing what they do in the Pac-12. Two best teams are going to play for the conference championship game. So, I don't know. You tell me, is it a good idea to get rid of the conference championship game? Am I being a hypocrite by doing it? By saying because I like tough schedules? I can see both sides of the argument, but again... I think everybody just needs to kind of accept and get used to the new normal that these super conferences, the, the, the big conference, the SEC, um, two losses is going to be the norm uh, when you're scheduling the way USC is. 
And I think it's going to even get to the point where the SEC is going to start chasing the big conference because of the way scheduling is done. At a certain point, that eight-game conference schedule with, you know, four cupcakes, three cupcakes and one marquee game, you know, fans don't want to go see that kind of stuff. You can't sell that in L.A. You know, you can get Georgia Southern to come because you've got the Clay Helton effect. Georgia Southern without Clay Helton, that's not a draw. I'm sorry. And again, USC, when you've got two power out-of-conference games on your schedule and you even are considering a, a mid-level like a Pac West team, whether it be in Arizona State, in Arizona, in Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, the Bay Area schools, that's probably the best route to go, is use the Bay Area schools as your, let's save on travel and keep that tradition going. You might not be able to play them every year, but one year, Stanford, next year, Cal, and just wash, rinse, repeat, cycle them in and out. I think it's good for college football that you maintain that type of tradition. So there you go. Another episode in the books, Locked on USC. I love doing this. I hope you're having a good time with it. Um, I've got some, I got some more feedback from the people at uh, Locked on Corporate. You guys are doing a really good job, my viewers. Keep it up. I just need to get those subscriber numbers up. So keep coming, you're coming. But all of you who are watching, Thank you very, very much. Keep making Locked on USC your first listen every day. And when you're done here, don't forget, head on over to WeRSC.com. There's a lot of good stuff over there. And take advantage of our subscription special. You will not be sorry. So until our next episode, you know what to do.